Hey, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. This is a weekly show shot 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Times in which I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running the game, uh, I'm running an Eberron homebrew game that I'm calling The Second Morning. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. If you want to be a patron of Sly Flourish, you can join by going to patreon.com slash slyflourish and becoming a patron. Patrons get access to a whole variety of uh, unique material now. They get access to a Discord server, a unique, unique channel on Discord. They get access to an adventure that's only available there called Regnum Rattus, the Rats in the Cellar, a level 1 to 5 introductory adventure for D&D. Uh, they get access to Sly Flourish's Uncovered Secrets, which are one-page rule guidelines to help you uh, to help making run D&D games easier and access to Sly Flourish's uh, uh, adventure generators. Adventure generators are one page uh, list of tables that are built around a specific adventuring theme such as Seven Samurai. Uh, so yeah, you can get all that material by becoming a patron of Sly Flourish. You also, most importantly, you help support the show. You help support things like the Sly Flourish newsletter, a newsletter that goes out every week now with an article to help uh, people run better D&D games. Uh, you help fund a lot of the background infrastructure that helps that, that keeps Life Flourish going. Uh, things like this Twitch chat and all the software and equipment that it takes to keep this going. Um, YouTube stuff, all, all different kinds of things that I need in order to keep Life Flourish moving along. So thank you all for being a patron of Life Flourish. So we are talking about my Eberron game. We're talking about a lot of things in the pre-show. By the way, if you don't normally, if you normally come at 10, I'm now logging on a little bit early and we kind of have a little chat. That way I kind of warm up. Um, so, uh, but now we are talking about, uh, my Ebron game and my mom is here. Hello, mom. And DM Samuel is here. Says, hello, Mike's mom. Uh, so yeah, really good. And uh, let's see, there's a question. This is not an Ebron related question, but, uh, I have another question. I read, I read a bit of your articles, but what's your opinion on module adventures and using them and adding homebrew to it? Like goes to Solmar story. I think you should do so. Uh, I think that, uh, taking an adventure and making it your own is the best joint way. It's my favorite way of running adventures. Uh, I What I'm finding, so I'm really enjoying my Eberron adventure now, which is totally homebrew, right? I, I, I made the story up and I've been making it up every week as we go, you've seen it. And I think that was important because a lot of, you know, all the previous campaigns that I've been running have been published adventures and you know, that, that they run differently. Um, but if you watch my videos or read my articles about previous campaign adventures, you'll see that I have customized them. And I can tell you that the writers expect that they've been customized. Uh, they expect that DMs are going to take them and mold them into the form that best suits them and their group for every published adventure. Some adventures are better at helping DMs do this than others, but um, all of them are intended to be used and customized as you go. Um, so yeah, if that's your question, should you do it and add homebrew to it? Absolutely, and most and most DMs do. I've seen very few. Adventurers League DMs tend to try to run it closer to the book than others, and there are some DMs who try to run it close to the book, but I think most DMs, I'm sure this is true, I've done polls on this, I think, where most DMs are... Um, most, most DMs are customizing campaigns to do it, and what I think that there is a joint value in that. You're getting a lot of value from buying a published adventure and getting the structure and getting good art and maps and, and, and good thick ideas. And then it's, you know, the good ones are easy to turn the dials and, and then tune it around. And I've done it with Tomb of Annihilation and Curse of Strahd. I've done it with every one of them, right? I think, I think I've run almost every one of the published hardback adventures. And with every one of them, I've homebrewed. And now some, 
need more work than others. A Ghost of Salt Marsh, I was actually pretty happy with. I think there were were there two adventures in there I wasn't crazy about? There was one. There was one I certainly wasn't crazy about, uh, and I don't have the book on hand, but somebody will remind me the name of the adventure that's in there. Uh, Isle of the Abbey. I think it was Isle of the Abbey, and boy, that was a stinker. I didn't like Isle of the Abbey, um, and I think the rest of them worked pretty well. I was happy with the styes. I was happy with Tomarot's fate. So I think all of those worked. And and I heard some people who said they had a lot of trouble tying together those adventures into a campaign. Um, but I but I did not. I didn't have any trouble with that. DM Samuel says he's homebrewing the heck out of Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Yeah. So I'm probably, I'm saying 95% likely to be running Rhyme of the Frostmaiden after my Eberron game is done. And I am sure, I, I don't, yeah, I, I haven't even really, I, I've di I dived into chapter one. Uh, but I haven't really dug into the rest of it, and I'm I'm keeping my eyes out and watching what people are doing and watching what people are saying to say like how how is this adventure getting tied up? DM Samuel says that he is homebrewing the heck out of Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. Uh, spoiler, quick spoiler here, uh, adding Torog as a main uh, sort of shadowy antagonist instead of Asmodeus. That's an interesting take. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I I yeah, I haven't dug in. I have Asmodeus as like in little bits and pieces and other stuff, but I don't I don't know if I might bring him back. Um. I find myself changing names to be more pronounceable. Sure, and you add your own NPCs, and you can replace NPCs that are inside of a published module with NPCs that matter to the characters. I did that for uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen, and that worked really well. So yeah, I, that 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 to me is you're you're getting your best value when you take a published adventure, you 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 squeeze it for material that you like, and you and you um, you squeeze it for material you like and you uh, um, customize it for the group that you've got. That's what I'm doing with Descent and Avernus. Descent and Avernus to me is an adventure that needs to be modified. I don't think it, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident saying most DMs have not found it to be, I don't know, I never want to say most, many DMs, I'll go with many. Many DMs have found it to not work as written or not work well for them as written. And I am one of them, but I've talked to many others. And... Um, there are ways to fix it, which I've talked about on, on the show and I've talked about on um, Sly Flourish. You can go to Sly Flourish and search for Descent and Avernus and find all kinds of stuff there. And I'm still finding stuff. I had a whole problem with soul coins and I came up with a solution for soul coins and it worked really well. And I had a bunch of people that are like, you don't, you're not doing it right. You're not playing D&D right. And I said, I don't know, it's working. And that was to replace soul coins with demon coins so that instead of taking and destroying a mortal soul for all of eternity in order to get your car to go 10 miles more an hour, how about you kill demons, absorb their essence into a device, that device ports into a coin, you put the coin in your car, and your car goes running off, roaring on the essence of demons. Because no one cares about demons. They don't have souls. And they came out of big primordial soup in the abyss anyway. So burning up demon essence is not so bad. And I tell you, my players are like, wow, that's much better. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, it's one thing to like make, and this is where I, people argued with me about it. I went into some channel. Oh, I went to the, the Descendant Avernus Discord, and I was talking to the people there about it. And they were like, you're not doing it right. Sacrifice is the point. And that was what they said is like, you know, the idea that you have to make bad choices like using soul coins to power your vehicle is part of the purpose of the adventure, that it's it's putting you in a hard spot. The problem is like, it's one thing to be put in a spot where you have to sacrifice your own goodness in order for a greater good to happen, which is, of course, the theme of Descent and Avernus is that's exactly what Zario was trying to do. Um, but it's something else to do it to move your car around, right? Like, it's a small thing, right? You have this... Little coin. It's like going to Walmart and putting it into the car in front of the shop, right? Like that. It seems like a, a small advantage for a tremendous sacrifice, 
right? It doesn't, and we had all kinds of conversations like, what if it's an evil soul? And you're like, how, there, there's, it doesn't matter. Like you're still destroying a mortal soul. It doesn't matter what the mortal soul did, right? In, in the way that the cosmology of the way D&D works, souls are eternal, right? And, and, and you, you are taking an eternal thing and destroying it. And what that soul did when they were physically manifested in the world doesn't matter to the fact that you are destroying that soul infinitely it's sort of like pascal's equation right pascal's equation was the idea that like if if heaven is infinite um and and you know and and yeah if heaven is infinite then whatever odds you put on it existing or not don't matter because the the equation is has an infinite sign in it and therefore it's always worth believing in religion and then he stopped doing math <laughs> i think that's true and um so it's the same thing where like, re regardless of the finite value you get from a soul coin, you're destroying an infinite soul. There's no repercussion for that. And it doesn't matter what the soul did. So um, yeah, so I think the idea that you burn a soul in order to drive a car is a really like bad way of asking a character to make a sacrifice for a greater good. Cause you're like, I just want to drive around. And it's like the theme of the game. You want to do Mad Max for your road. Don't force people to destroy souls in order to do Mad Max for your road. So for me, dropping in a demon coin worked a lot better. So I have an article I'm working on that. I'll probably do a video on it too. Um, but that to me was a was a, a big example of where you want to customize an adventure in order to fit what you what you've got going on. Um, what else do we have? Uh, Eberron doesn't have many D&D 5e adventures. When do you think we will actually get an official module for it? RJ, RJDK asks about official Eberron module. I do not think we will see one. I think that um, uh, one of, if I had to guess at the way that Wizards is marketing their books and designing their books to fit the market is they want as universal um, acceptance of the book as possible. So... Uh, that means not falling into the problems they had in the second edition era where uh, they segmented their market by like 50 different worlds and then nobody wanted to buy that thing over there because they were playing in this world over there. So I think most of the time, and, and there's also a big factor of every book that you buy from them has the general expectation that the only other books you own are the three core books. So it's always three plus one. It's always like, you know, if you buy the Eberron book, the expectation is that you have the other three books. If you buy Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, the expectation is you have the three books. If they made an Eberron adventure book, they would expect you have the Eberron source book, right? And that is this chain reaction. And then, you know, now you've got a book that whose compatibility is not just with the three core books. So I don't think we will see a, yeah, there's a ton of material. If you want adventures, there's a ton of adventures. They're well played. They're well play tested, um, and they're 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 more of like a a Pathfinder style adventure path, right? Of each one is kind of a major chapter that goes forward, um, and they're all set in the Mornland, uh, and they're fun. I played I played a bunch of them at conventions, and I enjoyed them. So those are good ways to go. But as far as like a great big hardcover, I would not put high i would not put a good odds on 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 seeing ever is a strong term but for the fifth edition era i doubt we will see a campaign adventure that fits that now they always have like little sections of their adventures as if you want to drop this into eberron here's how you would drop rhyme of the frost in eberron and yeah okay it can kind of work you know but then you're customizing the adventure all right wow 17 minutes in and all i'm doing is talking about other stuff so let's get ready for our game so we're gonna go over to notion let's see uh, See if I can beat. Oh God, that didn't work. I'll beat um, Evil John to the task of talking about Notion. Whoops. Uh, so I'm using Notion to um, 
uh, to keep track of my games uh, these days. I love it. It's got a lot of great features uh, other than the fact that it only is online. It has no offline mode and that is terrible. Uh, if you want to learn more about Notion and how I use it for D&D, check the show notes, check the links in the, in the chat, and um, you can uh, go to articles where I talk about how I use it. Uh, for now, I'm going to go to session planning template. I click on it. I click duplicate to make a new session planning um, page. Uh, and I go in here and we get 27 uh, Sunday Eberron. So now I have my game notes. This, this note page follows all eight steps. I'm going to go down here and get rid of this stuff. So this is my Wednesday group. Both my Wednesday and my, uh, both my Wednesday and Sunday group. Um, both of them, uh, let's see, we're going to move shift out because shift is not here today. I think everyone else is there. So this is my, what, what the hell is this thing? The scratch pad. This is my one dimensional combat battle map and my initiative system, which I use in discord for Avre. uh, works really well. Now that's probably the only thing from Avre I'm still using. I tended to go back to physical dice. Uh, so step one, review the characters. So we'll go back here and we'll go to Sunday characters and pull them up. And so I have the six characters for Sunday's game. We have Saber. Saber is a, uh, long tooth shifter, bounty hunter monk of the four winds. Uh, and what happened with him? He, oh, just received a pair of bracers of armor that allow him to also cast fiery stuff. So he's got a couple of, he can cast either burning hands or scorching ray as an action once per day using his bracers. And that doesn't use points for his uh, monk stuff. So nice feature for him. Um, and he picked that up. He was actually given these things by the platinum ring member, the platinum ring head of the Orum, who came and visited the characters and brought them goblinberry scones for breakfast. Uh, and then ex proceeded to tell them that what Leto's skull has been doing is very embarrassing to the Orum, and they want he wants them to kill Leto's skull, uh, and expects that they will do so. And in return, he will give them the Orum's support uh, in their approach of not letting anybody else, uh, not letting anybody else get access to. Um, uh, not letting anybody else get access to the the, the weapon of mourning. Uh, we have Zarentir Delandir. Uh, Zarentir met his cousin. Um, do I have the cousin in here? Uh, he has a cousin who works in um, uh, works in uh, Arl Dusk. Met his cousin, who turned out to not be of the same social class as the rest of the, of his family. Uh, that he had some fun with that. I modeled him after uh, Clark's. Uh, cousin is it in uh, family vacation and in Christmas vacation he was a fun character uh, shift is the uh, war run of the original warforged uh, unfortunately uh, Juliet the player of shift is not available today she's moving so she will not be in today's game we have Shane Husk who is a famed uh, hobgoblin wizard uh, author uh, who wrote books about the morning uh, we have Banner, who is a paladin follower of the Becoming God. Uh, and he has, uh, there's definitely going to be connections between him and the Becoming God today because they're going to meet some monks of the Becoming God. We have Arwen Chi Zizu, who is a member of House Civis and holder of the Icosahedron. It's not a double dodecahedron, it's an Icosahedron uh, that is holds the secret to getting to. Um, 
the the glass plateau metrol and the ga- glass pla- or the city of making in the glass plateau uh and so they need to figure out that key and that key actually goes to a device um called a um what is it called oh there's a name for it i don't remember so an interesting thing about this uh this part of the campaign is that um both of my campaigns have sort of shifted back together again there was this big section where they split off but now they've moved back and there's slight differences uh but the differences have now become uh less pronounced and i think part of that is like i'm starting to feel the the downward inertia of the end of the campaign like we've been playing now how long let's go back i think if i go back to my campaign notes here um if i go to my old adventures since june but i think we were playing before that what was uh yeah so that's when i i'm trying to remember when i actually started i guess somebody if you, know, if you want to go back in the youtube videos and find what was the first youtube video i did where we talked about eberron i would be curious um i think we've been going at least nine months i don't know i can't remember if we even started um if i i think this might have been a covid only campaign i think this whole campaign has been going on only online i don't think we had any live games but i can't remember it's crazy it's crazy i can't remember games that took place in person which is really freaky so those are the characters um why did what happened here i must have hit i must have hit something uh characters are reviewed uh strong start oh boy good one uh uh the i ended the so yeah let's talk just real quickly uh about what happened last week's game so in last week's game the it was a i only had three players um and people talk about oh you can't play D with three players you can play D with one player and you should i don't want to say should i don't want to tell anybody what they ought to do but let me tell you that for many people uh D works really well with even one player I love it. I've played it with one player and I love it. Uh, so you can't play with fewer. Now, when you have a situation where uh, like you were expecting five and then only three show up, it's going to be a little different. And this gets into the topic. We, we had the question before about what do you do when key people that are key to the game can't be there? And, you know, one answer could be padding. You pad it out, right? You can try to make it fun for the people who are there and, and focus on their characters. And so that's what we did. We sort of had a big downtime session. So they had a really... Uh, they had a meeting with the head of the Orem in Arldusk, who ran a place called the Golden, the Palace of the Golden Dawn. And he said, hey, I want to tell you some things. Um, a, Leto Skull broke away from the Orem. We have, we, have, we have eliminated him from the Orem, but we want him eliminated, period, and we want you to do that for us. Um, that he had an agent who was working for him named uh, Imperai de Falarn. And Imperai... Uh, is a, you know, she was taking a bunch of people and and paving the path to find making in the glass plateau. She thought she was working for the Orem. She was actually working for Lido Skull through an Orem intermediary named Ghost Hoof, who is now dead. Uh, and, um, you know, I want to help you guys out. And by the way, here are some nice bracers that, can, that are, are part of the Four Winds Monastery. We have them in our archives. By the way, another thing, uh, she took an object from the archives of the Orem and brought it with her, thinking that that would be a key to getting to making in the glass plateau. Um, and that thing, that object, 
uh, was a, let's go to our Eberron book here. Uh, oh, I'm already there. So let's go to treasures. And it's a specific treasure. It's a, um, a docent. She brought a docent with her. Uh, and the docent uh, has some, she is hoping to use this. Now, in secret, the characters don't know this. Yeah, I don't want my wife to hear this either. So the people who know about Karshak want to use the docent to power up and empower Karshak to, to take them to making in the glass plateau. Karshak is a warforged lightning rail. Um, and uh, it's a Warforged Lightning Rail that is insane, based on Blaine the Mono from the Dark Tower. And I don't even know how I'm going to run that yet. But I've got, I've, I'm definitely throwing some, some Stephen King Wastelands uh, into, this whole, into this whole area. And I think that that's going to be fun. But I have no idea how I'm going to play Karshak. Um, and um, so, uh, uh, yeah, great fun there. Um, so they met with the Orm guy. That was a, like an hour. It was an hour. I don't know if it was an hour and a half. It's at least an hour of the three characters talking to him and asking questions and stuff like that. And then they went around town and they met uh, Zarentir's cousin. And they met um, uh, they met an artificer who told them about the docent. And uh, then they gathered everything up and they headed out of town. And they were there attacked by, uh, or they yeah they were approached by Kalishdar. Um, and what are they called? There's a name for, uh, and I, I've got to remember this because they're going to be fighting them. Um, uh, inspired. Uh, the Inspired. So uh, what has happened here is that members of the Inspired who can speak to and have sort of Kalishtar in them um uh we're just gonna grab a stat block here uh and put them down in my monsters uh they want to capture they want to get lack back so what's lack you know if you're not familiar with the story it's <laughs> a lot of complications um so lack is a sentient orb of the dreaming dark that the characters picked up. It's like a crystal ball. It's a sentient crystal ball, again, built on the, the uh, Merlin's rainbow from the Dark Tower series. And it is definitely a sinister object. And there are seven such uh, spheres known as the Emissaries. They're called the Emissaries of Dalcor. Um, and they are all agents of the Dreaming Dark. They used to have a connection back to Dalcor. They no longer do. It's been severed. Uh, it was severed when Kulsir shattered the connection between... Um, uh, Dalcor and Eberron. Um, but the emissaries are still around and they've been kind of buried and hidden and used for hundreds of thousands of years. And one of them, an orb named Lack, was in the cellar, was in the basement archives of Morgrave University. And the characters, um, do they all have names like Lack? Yeah, L-H-A-A-K. They do. Let, you want to you see them all? I have a little thing. We go to NPCs and we go to uh, the Emissaries of the Dreaming Dark. Uh, Chris Vroon Zin Sin pronounced Sin, Chris Vroon Sin Thrine Case War and Lack are the um, are the seven orbs, 
And uh, in very non-lazy DM style, uh, I went and gave each one of them a little bit of background. So uh, Sin, for example, um, is one of the emissaries uh, and one of the three orbs that was held by the Argonescent Dragons and is now being held by a um, elven archmage named Sontar Kelestar, who's a guest of the Dragons of Argonescent. For 1,400 years, he's been a guest there. And um, the orb has a long-standing relationship with him uh, there. That that's, Sin is actually one of the nicer orbs. Uh, war is a really terrible orb. So war is like the these like black thirteen in in, in um, dark tower. Uh, it is a super powerful orb uh, held by the ancient gold dragon of Argonesson, uh, and they've been having a battle of will for thousands of years, and neither one has been able to win. Um, that's actually tied to one of my fantastic layers, the twentieth level fantastic layer. Uh, so those are a couple. So uh, I think it is Thrine. Um, yeah, so Thrine is being held by a, is another one of the um, Argonesson orbs being held by a powerful uh, ancient brass dragon. Uh, and it has taken over the brass dragon. And it believes, it, it seems to have heard, look, you even have the brass dragon claw. Uh, it seems to believe that, um, uh, that Lack has been kidnapped and needs to be rescued. It knows that Lack is moving, and it fears that it's been kidnapped. So, um, so Thrine has sent agents of the um, uh, of the Inspired to recover Lack. But the reality is, Lack does not want to be recovered. Uh, Lack is perfectly happy where it is. Uh, so the characters found that they were being uh, approached by a number of inspired. We're going to go probably with one inspired per character. And um, when the, uh, as they are cut down, uh, these inspired, um, they will, some of them will form into spectral versions of um, quarry. Uh including a, so let's look at the three types of quarry. Uh, oh, these are the different ones. Uh, we have hash, uh, uh inspired. Uh, whoops, go back here, go to my notes. So we're starting off with the Big Bang. We're starting off with, you know, you're getting attacked by um, uh, Uh, we're starting off with getting attacked on the side of the road by a bunch of crazies. Uh, it's also going to start a dream storm, and the dream storm is going to be interesting. We should try to figure out what that is. And those are uh, connected to quarry. And there are three different kinds of quarry, but I think we're only going to pick two. Uh, these guys are your CR7s. They're pretty nasty. They're not going to do the possession because they're not really there. They're sort of dreamscape versions of it. Um, and, uh, this one's a real nasty one. This is one that has the, you know, can, it can do two mind thrusts, which are psychic attacks, DC 16, 18 damage, half on a miss. Uh, and when they take damage from a creature within 60 feet. So one of these guys is pretty nasty. That's a CR nine. Characters are pretty tough though. So it's going to be a multi-phase fight. Um, and it's going to be a big one. This probably be half the session just doing this. Um, 
This is the CR19 guy. We are not going to pull in the CR19 guy. Although I bet you they could be the CR19. Um, so they are getting attacked by the Inspired. So um, agents of the Inspired. Let's see. Uh, the Inspired believe the characters have kidnapped Lack and um, want to get it back. Inspired, sent by uh, Thrine. Uh, they attack and burst into quarry when defeated. Nice, oh, nice strong start. Easy to go. I love starting with a fight because I know where things are going to go. There's something about, and I was, you know, thinking about other game systems like Fate and Numenera and stuff like that. And I'll tell you, like, fast combat isn't always the best. Like, it's it's nice to have the option for fast combat. It's also nice to be able to relax and let the players have fun fighting stuff right and uh you know so yeah the inspired um then they're going to um anguar keep um uh anguar keep is where the followers of the becoming god they are known as the followers uh, and, uh, you can see like, wow, I've got maps and everything for Anguar Keep. Look at all this stuff. And yes, I do have maps for it. And that's because I stole it from Lord of the Dragon Queen. No one will know. And it's not a place for combat really. So the story of Anguar Keep is that it is a keep sitting upon the river between Th uh, Thrain and the Mornland. And it is owned by, it is, it is, yeah, it's owned by, occupied by, a group of Warforged monks known as the um, Followers of the Becoming God. Um, they are pacifist monks. Uh, they are former warriors and uh, soldiers of the last war that have given up all violence and now are finding a better way and doing so through manual labor by like running farms. And then, so they have a bunch of farms and then when the characters arrive, there will be a farmer's market and a bunch of Warforged will be at the farmer's market. Um, including a Warforged juggernaut named Clasp that um, uh, is a poet. Uh, in fact, we're going to stick Clasp. I don't think I made a um, NPC card for Clasp. And yeah, and, and so, uh, yeah, All Life Riley says that's pretty adorable. It is adorable, uh, but I, there is another sinister thing of it, though, which is like it's a Warforged juggernaut that is designed to look terrifying. And it's like children scream from it and, and everyone else like stays away from this hulking monstrosity and it's a peaceful thing. And, in, and the, 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 the kind of the, the message that the Warforge say is like, we didn't ask to be built to do the things that we do. And he didn't ask to be built as this terrifying monster. And it turns out he likes writing poetry, you know, and yet he will always be this, you know, walking monstrosity. And no one will ever love him. Not no people will ever really love him. Um, you know, so yeah. So it's kind of a you know, I like that message. So uh we're gonna and if you check this out, 
we're going to use a new trick, uh, which is you can create a new page, and we will create it in here. Uh, and we have a class page, and we will go Warforged Juggernaut, and we'll find a picture of a Warforged Juggernaut. Um, are they called Juggernauts? Behemoth? Yeah, this like this guy. Warforged Titan. Let's look for Warforged. Find an image for a Titan. That looks right. Copy image. And we'll stick that in here. Um, so, um, and I think I'm going to steal, uh, uh, I'm going to uh, steal from my other game because I came up with a little poem that I liked for my other game and why not reuse it for different groups um, old adventures and we'll go with the Wednesday group and see if I have the, uh, the oh come on I know I had a poem written down uh, there it is Um, so, and then here's what we do. Once you've made a new page, you then drag it into campaign database and it becomes a, uh, database thing, but it is not a location. It is an NPC. Oh, that's the wrong one. That is a location. Uh, where's class class? Where'd you go? This is probably the least efficient way of finding. In fact, why don't we just go up here and go to like search. See how fast it. Uh... Tags, NPC, there. Um, that wasn't super efficient. And look, the link back is there. So, um, and I need, um, uh, what is a cool, I guess we'll have one called Glaive. Uh, and Glaive will be the um, Warforged. Uh, unofficial leader of the followers of the becoming. Um, Find a good picture of a Warforged. Um, this one's like a nice Warforged, so we don't need like battle poses. Uh, I kind of dig this one. Uh, Windows Shift S, grab a snapshot. And good enough. That'll do. Uh, very rosy, indeed. Drag it into the campaign database where it becomes lost forever until I uh, go in 
find it and give it a tag of NPC. Bingo. Um, so, uh, back to here. They go to Angor Keep. They have the Farmer's Market. And the characters can help out with the Farmer's Market. Uh, they can uh, tour of Angor. And then uh, descent into the Undersellers. Ba, 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 ba. No, it's not the undersellers. Under tunnels. Into the under tunnels. Uh, and then we're we're going far out in here. Esten is their next location. So the plan is, um, and really, if you want to get all crazy, so we know where everything else is going to be. Esten. Um, I'm going to do uh, the uh, Black Tusk, Lair of the Black Tusk. Um, uh, so that's probably a new location. I don't think I've got it. Create a new page for that. Uh, and then Karshak. And then making and then uh, the what's it called? Claw Rift. And then And the finale is the Weapon of Morning. So what we have there in the scenes is the whole rest of this campaign, uh, mostly in locations, right? It's They go from here to here to here to here to here to here to here. And there's going to be lots of things that happen in all these places, but um, all the locations are there. Um, if I click this, does it make the page? It, uh, a page already exists, so we're good. Um, yeah, so that's the whole rest of the campaign. And I don't know how we're going to get to all these places, but it's there. And then how long should this take? A couple months, maybe? I don't know. I kind of want to move it along. Um, so that's pretty good. So uh, what secrets uh, do we have? Um, and the secrets we have are uh, the Becoming God, the followers of the Becoming God. Um are attempting to manifest their deity through uh, nightly meditation. Kind of a nice little bit of fun. Um, the under tunnels, uh, is that what it's called? Yeah, were used, we can, we can make that a link. I try to make stuff a link often only because if I see it in my notes, I can click it quickly and get to the location. The under tunnels were built as a an infiltration tunnel between Esten and 
and Thrain during the war. Uh, Esten uh, was once the capital of House Kenneth, uh, but has fallen into ruin. Many buried experiments now crawl the ruined streets. Um, it is this one's nice. Like, talk about doubling up your prep. If I've got two games a week, but they're both generally in the same place, a lot of these secrets I've already thought up. Uh, so it's pretty easy for me to tie it together. Uh, the black, the um, uh, the black tusks are the opposite of the followers. They are warforged who believe their whole purpose is violence. Um, uh, Black Tusks, by the way, is a secret connection to a fantastic lair that I want to play test. And the characters just happen to be the right level. So I'm going to play test uh, the Black Lair of the Black Tusk, uh, which is actually about a werewolf frost giant. But we're going to make it a werewolf frost giant warforged, followed by a bunch of werewolves. Um, uh, what else? I think so. My other group, uh, they're doing a lot of stuff down in. Um, uh, oh, I, yeah, I think I'll still do it. Uh, the under tunnels have uh, a sinkhole in the under tunnels. Leads deep into Kyber. Um, uh, and creatures of the Daleker uh, have begun to crawl out of it. Uh, the other end of the tunnel below Esten. Uh, ends at a charnel pit, a warforged charnel pit. Um, uh, what else? Imperi. Uh, has been captured by the Black Tusk. Oh, thank you for subscribing with Prime. Revulusian, Revelusian. Um, uh, has been captured by the Black Tusk, who wants her to implant the docent in him. Um, Karshak. is treated like a god uh, in Esten. Karshak is treated like a god in Esten, uh, and many of the scavengers and warlords in Esten make sacrifices to him 
when the god drums play. Uh, for extra credit, who can tell me what beat uh, is played by the god drums? We'll see who the true fans of the Dark Tower are here in a minute. I'm sure with 55 people in the chat, I'm sure five of you are probably big Dark Tower fans. Uh, what else is going on in there? Uh, Imperi. It's not the movie. It's the book series. Yeah, Snark Knight. Yeah, look. <laughs> A Life of Riley. Velcro Fly, indeed. So if you want to hear what the god drums sound like, go Google Velcro Fly on YouTube. Uh, and that is the beat that the drums play when Karshak awakens. And uh, when Karshak awakens, the drum beat from Velcro Fly hammers through the city and all of the Warforged uh, or all of the scavengers grab somebody and drag them over and sacrifice them to the god drums. Um, uh, Empire de Falarn uh, has brought the docent with hopes of using it to get Karshak. to travel uh, to making. Um, Karshak is both um, uh, psychotic and suicidal. That's a big secret. Um, so, 10 secrets ready to go. Oh, I forgot <laughs> all of the secrets about, like, I have to add some other secrets because uh, I forgot. So, uh, um, we have uh, the inspired. Uh, were sent by uh, which one? Uh, I said it. It's not uh, which one of the orbs? Um, Thrine. Um, the inspired were sent by Thrine to um, uh, recover Black. Uh, who doesn't want to be recovered. Thrine uh, is one of the uh, emissaries, emissaries one of the emissaries of the Dreaming Dark held a dragon of Argonesson there, just a couple other secrets there. Um, so we're good on secrets. Locations, we've got. So I need a location. Um, uh, well, let's, yeah. So we'll. I need one additional location, which is uh, an interesting place where the battle takes place. So let's, we're going to use a couple of random tables here. I think I already said it, and maybe my players will know. 
Um, but we're gonna have a monument along the path. So we're gonna go to the Lazy DM workbook right here. Uh, we are going to roll um, uh, we're gonna go to my Discord chat and we're gonna go to the bot channel and we're gonna roll, how many D20 do I need? Uh, the monuments, I need one, uh, one, two, three. So I need uh, RR, two, 1D20, uh, a 10 and a 16, and then R1D100, 68. So 10, 16, 68. So 10 is a gore-covered, 16 is a fearful, uh, and oh, this is perfect already. And then 68 uh, is an orb. Hmm. Uh, it could go with a, an, an orb floating over a pool. Oh, yeah, sure. So they're okay. See, right? This is how you use random tables to inspire yourself. Uh, so we have a gore covered, uh, fearful orb floating over a black pool that, uh, Peers into Dalcor. Uh, so that is, the, they're going to go to this fix and they see this. It's just like a a little oasis on the on the path between um, uh, Eston and Angwar Keep. But the Dreaming Dark people have taken it over, and you can see Thrine swirling over the pool, and below is this like starscape, and that's where the quarry kind of crawl out from. But the whole thing is actually a dream, sort of a dreamscape. Uh, but that's where the battle will take place. That'll be cool. Um, we have uh, other locations are Anguar. I'm linking to all the stuff I already linked to. It's kind of a waste of time. Uh, under tunnels. And Esten. I wish the search was a little faster. That search is a little slow. So I've got my locations. Those are cool. We're good there, uh, given that I've got four minutes left in my little show here. Uh, NPCs, we have Clasp and Glaive. Uh, I named Glaive Shaft in my other game, and all they did was talk about uh, Shaft from the TV show. So I said, okay, we're changing the name to something that's not Shaft. Um, we have Monsters, uh, Treasure. So I'm going to use... Uh, uh, Random generators. I have a new list of random generators that I'm working on. Uh, and I have a new one for relics. And we're going to go here and go to relics. And we have orcish, rough orcish opal that casts web. That's pretty interesting. A plain orcish skull that casts hallucinatory terrain. That sounds cooler. We're going to go with that. Um, that is a fun uh, relic. Uh, let's see what other relics we've got. Grim abyssal idol that casts slow. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be something they'd find down in the dark, right? Um, uh, I kind of dig that. So, um, so that's pretty good. Uh, do they want money and stuff? Uh, uh, we can we can look up some treasure here. Treasure from this is Dyson or um, not Dyson. This is Donjon. And we go to treasure, CR7, and we got a list of treasure here. I got to expand my window because I can't see it. Uh, this looks good. 
Uh, yeah, it looks kind of boring, actually. Yeah, and don't be afraid to give your characters potions of healing as a common item, because, boy, it's hard to find potions of healing. Um, yeah, I just throw treasure in here so I have a parcel ready to go. Like, it's just nice to have a parcel ready to go. And here you can you can, you can can even cut, like, all the coin out and just say they find a bag of gemstones, 10 gemstones. Here are the different kinds, and it's, you know, worth thousands of whatever. Um, and maybe another bag of holding is pretty good. Uh, that can all, that can all work. So I don't know if I'm going to give out the treasure or not, but it's good to have it on hand. So I am all set. I've got my, I reviewed my characters. I got my strong start. I know where my scenes are going to go. Um, you know, I've got, I, I went overboard on the scenes because I know it's probably going to end with them. I'm hoping to get to the point where they go into the under tunnels and we'll probably end the session with them heading into the under tunnels. Um, the under tunnels are interesting. I, I made, I, I picked up a map. It, you could almost run the under tunnels like a hex crawl. I apparently have a really big image in here. Um, this is a Dyson thing. And I was like, you could come in from the south and sort of bend your way around. And there's old ruins and everything in here. And I have a, oh, come on. Don't tell me that. Um, I had a image in here that was annotated uh, that had uh, all the like, different features of this place that they could explore as they made it through. But on the other hand, I don't want to, like, they just went through a whole big under thing. Do we really need to send them back there again? So I'm probably just going to have it be like three scenes. Like you're making your way through these old tunnels. You can see that they're like cracked. You can see old features that show that it was used during the war, you know, maybe a dead war forge or something like that. And then they get to an area where there's a huge sinkhole and they have to make their way around the sinkhole and hordes of, um, uh, hordes of the, the Dolgrim, Dolgrim and Dolcant, Dolgrant, Dolgant, uh, creatures start crawling out of it, and then a beholder comes up, and they're going to probably want to run, because you're going to fight a beholder, you're going to get your ass kicked, um, and then they can run and make their way out the other side of the tunnel, they find the, char the charnel pit with the, uh, warforged in it, and then they, they climb up out of there and make their way into Eston, just in time to hear the god drums, so, uh, that is my thought about how the game is going to go today, uh, so that is, that is, it uh i want to thank everybody for coming today and i always appreciate having a good conversation if you want to keep the conversation going head into the sly flourish discord uh discord channel and we are always chatting there we actually just separated out two different places a dm's lounge where you can just kind of hang out drink your coffee and talk to people and a dm's workshop where we actually work on specific problems that we're having in, in all of our various games so it's a good place to hang out and of course if you're a patron you also have the executive lounge for the patrons uh where you can hang out and, and talk and not hang out with the riffraff which of course is a joke because we're all in the other place too uh, but I also post a lot of ideas uh for things like the generators I was just showing are in the patron place so you can you can actually use those generators yourself um in and i think i even put up a copy of some tools that i used to help build those generators uh so you can get that as well so i want to thank everybody for coming i always appreciate it great conversations as always always appreciate having people in the chat and uh, evil john is not the riffraff um evil john is awesome people uh thank everybody for coming and uh have a great week and get out there and play some D. &D. thank you very much